Asia Pacific currents. News and labor issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents for another Saturday. You're listening to Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna, and I'm taking you through to 9:30 this morning. It is Saturday, the 6th of May, here on Community Radio, and probably in many other parts of the world. Um, in the second part of the show,、uh, Asia Pacific Currents is going to broadcast a speech delivered by Hamad Al Kurd. He is a Palestinian writer and poet,、um, and of course, you will no doubt be aware that this year is the seventy-five year anniversary of Al Nakba, the、um, marking of Israeli Zionist、um, occupation and colonialism of Palestine. Um, I did play an announcement about the rally, the 75-year commemorative rally happening next Saturday, the 13th of May,、uh, and we'll hear a feature speech about that in the second part of the program. Of course, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. You can find us on the web, all the w's dot a a w l dot org dot a u. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so look us up on those social media platforms. I'm going to go straight into news from around the region, and we're going to start in Indonesia, where unions are backing a particular candidate. Indonesia's largest trade union, the All Indonesian Workers Union Confederation, announced that they're backing Ganjar Pranowo in next year's presidential election. Ganjar is currently the governor of Central Java and a member of the Democratic Party of Struggle, led by current president Joko Widodo. The announcement came on May Day, and the KSPSI has remained consistent in backing the candidate of the Democratic Party of Struggle, which was founded by former President Megawati Soekarno Putri over the last few elections. The KSPSI leadership claimed that they chose Gunjar after meeting with him and discussing industrial concerns. After which they decided he was a match. However, the union has come under criticism from other members of the Indonesian labour movement as Gunjar is a known supporter of the omnibus law, which several unions, including the KSPSI, Have opposed for restricting free speech and threatening the minimum wage. The KSPSI leadership brushed this off, saying that since Gunjar is not a member of parliament, his opinion on the law is irrelevant. Moving now to Turkey, where May Day in Turkey. Or Turkiya focuses on election and economy. Large rallies took place across Turkiya this May Day as workers came out to protest the ongoing restrictions on the labour movement, as well as the poor economic conditions of workers in the lead up to the parliamentary and presidential elections on the 14th of May. While May One is a holiday in Turkiya, many factories still require their employees to show up to work, and the ruling AKP has consistently sought to suppress the unionisation of workplaces. Many of the rallies called for an end to the drift towards one-man dictatorship in Turkey, in Turkiya, especially calling for supporters to vote against President Erdogan. In Istanbul, the police blocked the rally from entering Taksim Square, leading to several arrests of union leaders who tried to break the blockade.
Across the country, the May Day slogans called for a living wage, with banners expressing views such as potatoes, onions and goodbye Erdogan. In addition to May Day, Reuters workers will be going on strike on the 10th of May, protesting for better wages. And moving now to Thailand. Uh, Thailand is also holding elections on the 14th of May and current reports make it likely that the ruling party, which is made up of military politicians, might lose, meaning it will be the first time that Thailand has not been ruled by a military government since the 2014 coup. As with every election since 2001, the strong non-military contenders are the Shinawatra family, with the opposition being led by Peitong Tan Shinawatra, the daughter of former Prime Ministers Taksin and Yingluck Shinawatra, both of whom were ousted in coups. Most commentators, however, do not predict any significant change to the military's influence over the government, regardless of whether their incumbent candidate wins or not. Under the Junta, written uh, 2017 constitution, the parliament is divided between an elected House of Representatives and an elected Senate, meaning that the military and the monarchy ultimately keep control of the government. Trade unions, on the other hand, have been demanding an increase of the minimum wage from 354 baht to 789 baht. The main candidates have all promised a wage increase, but far more modest than what unions say is necessary for workers to earn a living wage. The movement also continues to struggle against laws that prevent the forming of unions in many workplaces. And over in China, garment workers continue to strike over wage issues. Reports have emerged about garment workers in China's eastern province of Zhejiang going on strike last month over wage calculations. The workers work at a factory run by Zhejiang Kuang Viet Garment Company, a Taiwanese-owned company that manufactures for Adidas, New Balance and other major brands. The workers went on strike in April after they were paid salaries significantly lower than the promised 5,000 yuan, with some receiving as little as 1,500 yuan and most receiving about 4,000. A representative told the striking workers that wage calculations are performed by a computer program to which the workers demanded more transparency on the calculations. This strike's not isolated, with a reduction in orders during the COVID pandemic leading many factories to reduce wages. And our final story this morning is a roundup of May Day actions across the Asia-Pacific. Workers across the Asia-Pacific region marked May Day on Monday with common demands for better working conditions and fairer pay. Tens of thousands rallied in South Korea and Japan, calling for safer working hours and a wage to meet the cost of living. In Lebanon, Lebanese trade union members rallied alongside domestic migrant workers, calling for the government to act on the spiralling economic situation, which has left more than three quarters of residents in poverty. In Peshawar, Pakistan, workers risked arrest and defied a government ban on May Day rallies to demand better workplace rights. Filipino workers marched to the presidential palace of the anti-union Marcos government, calling for a basic minimum wage and job security.
In Sri Lanka, people rallied despite police warnings and used the occasion to bring home how working people have the power to overthrow corrupt government as well as to remind workers that they're caught amidst the agenda of larger powers who do not have their interests at heart, taking specific aim at the IMF bailout deal for Sri Lanka. In Singapore, the same theme of how international tensions pose a threat to workers' rights and solidarity was reiterated in rally speeches. In Taiwan, the rallies protested the anti-union laws of the current government, calling for their overthrow in next year's elections. In Malaysia, workers marched under the slogan of a dignified salary and food security. Finally, in Myanmar, May Day was marked secretly and at great risk across the country under the slogan, May the Cries of the Oppressed Workers Be Heard. And that is news from around the region. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. I'm Giselle Hanna. We're going to go to some community announcements and then our feature story for the morning. And of course, I will remind you that the uh, May Day Committee's May Day March is tomorrow, Sunday, um, at one o'clock maybe. I will look that up before I announce something incorrect or try to find an announcement for you. But we'll go to some community announcements and then our feature story for the morning. Common Social Change Library is an online collection of educational resources for those campaigning for social change. It collects, curates and distributes the key lessons and resources of progressive movements around Australia and across the globe. The library includes over 500 resources covering campaign strategy, community organising, activist history, digital campaigning, diversity and inclusion and much, much more. It's free to access the library, so check out the collection at www.commonslibrary.org. Commons Social Change Library is a 3CR supporter. ராசாவின் மனசிலே இசை ஞானி இளையராஜாவின் இசை கொண்டாட்டம் செலிப்ரேட்டிங் தண்ட்ரஸ் மியூசிக் ஆஃப் மேஸ்ட்ரோ இளையராஜா ஆன் த்ரீ சி ஆர் எவ்ரி ஃப்ரைடே எயிட் டு நைன் பி எம் சாரி டுவெண்ட்டி The Setting Sun Film Festival, the film festival of the West, is 10 this year. Come and celebrate at the opening night at the Sun Theatre in Yarraville on Thursday, 11th of May, or catch a film, event or activity right through till Friday, 26th of May. All Setting Sun Film Festival details and tickets are available online at settingsun.com.au. The Setting Sun Film Festival is a proud 3CR supporter. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents here on Community Radio 3CR. I'll just make that May Day announcement again, uh, just because I've got the details in front of me now. Um, so tomorrow's May Day March and Rally is at one o'clock assembling at Victorian Trades Hall. So make sure you get along to that. 3CR is going to have a presence there. We'll be circulating, vox popping people. And of course, the various demands relate to cost of living, a real wage rise, um, protection 
protection of casual workers and job security and enter privatisation and a host of other demands. But we will go to our feature story for today. The Palestinian Nakba, or catastrophe, happened 75 years ago. But the people of Palestine continue to suffer under Israeli colonialism. Palestinian writer and poet Mohammed Al-Kurd addressed a UN event in the aftermath of the May strikes of 2021 on the people of Gaza. I should say that the uh, the air raids destroyed homes, um, increased the occupation, people are facing homelessness and heartbreak and these, the situation hasn't abated in the three in the two years since then. Um, the nature of the Nakba is that it's ongoing and that's a central th- theme of the 75-year anniversary. So here is Mohammed's address to a United Nations event. My name is Mohammed Al-Kurd and I am here to deliver a speech. When I was 11, I came home from school and saw my furniture scattered across my street in Sheikh Jarrah, a neighborhood in occupied Jerusalem, occupied Palestine. The street overflowed with soldiers, police, and settlers. My neighbors were screaming and protesting, some of them hospitalized. Settlers had invaded our home and taken over half of it. They said it was theirs by divine decree, as if God is a real estate agent. Now, more than a decade later, they're coming to finish what they started. Billionaire-backed settler organizations protected by the Israeli occupation forces will likely throw out my family from our home forever. Not only my family, but hundreds, if not thousands of Palestinians in my neighborhood and other communities like Silwan and Al-Aisawiyya and Masafir Yatta in the South Hebron Hills and elsewhere. This fate of dispossession looms over much of my neighborhood. Our lives are consumed by the anxiety of living on the brink of homelessness. The UN has called this a war crime, but more importantly, I know that this is theft. My community, like all Palestinian communities, is no stranger to dispossession. My grandmother was expelled from her home in Haifa in 1948 when hundreds of thousands of Palestinians were displaced in the Nakba. She found refuge in the 50s after the United Nations, you all, and Jordan built a housing project in Sheikh Jarrah promising that the 28 refugee families would receive legal title to their properties. Then the 1967 war happened. After Israeli forces illegally annexed Jerusalem, several settler organizations, some of which headquartered in the United States, have relentlessly attempted to take over the neighborhood. We obviously tried to fight this forced expulsion in court. But as my grandmother used to say, if the judge is your enemy, to whom do you complain? Israeli land grabbing has been rubber-coated with legislation, making it almost impossible to challenge. Even so, the battle over Sheikh Jarrah is not legal in its essence. It is political. It is part of the larger systematic effort to Israelize the entirety of Jerusalem, my native city. My family and our neighbors understand this. We know firsthand that the Israeli judicial system is created by and for, by and for those who benefit endlessly from the Israeli settler colonial regime. As I speak to you, our family lawyer is attempting to persuade a settler judge to rule against settlements. The word apartheid comes to mind, but saying there's asymmetry and injustice in the Israeli judicial system is a gross understatement. 
What we have on our hands is a colonialist, ideologically driven system built by and for colonizers, working exactly as it was intended to. These unjust laws are not preferential, serving the demographic and political goals of the Zionist project. They are concealed behind a cloak of quasi-democratic, seemingly disputable legislation. This summer, we took our struggle to the streets. Our efforts to resist this takeover were joined by Palestinians across Jerusalem and the world in what became known as the Unity Uprising. The situation rapidly escalated into attacks on Bisiz Gaza. Palestinians mobilized and resisted, and around the world, people demonstrated in support of the Palestinian right to liberation and decolonization. But months later, the world's attention has moved away. The reality for Palestinians, however, has not changed. Our neighborhood was put under a blockade for three months, maintained by Israeli forces with continuing restrictions intended to suffocate the lives of the hundreds of Palestinians who lived there. And yet, meanwhile, armed Jewish settlers who have already occupied some of our homes roam freely on the streets, no questions asked. On any given night, a dozen gun-wielding fanatics patrol my street with arrogant impunity. They are protected, even supported, by the troops blockading our community. I have to take a minute to acknowledge the millions under siege in the Gaza Strip, the millions living in an open-air prison, I have to acknowledge the thousands of Palestinian prisoners subjugated in Israeli prisons. I have to acknowledge my neighbor, Murad Atiyah, an elementary school teacher who was robbed from his family and put into prison, slapped with trumped up and fabricated charges only because he dared say no to ethnic cleansing. You know, I have to ask, what is it that I can say today that has not been said before? How many Palestinians have stood on this platform for decades and decried the same broken, broken promises and unfulfilled UN resolutions? How many of us have tried to articulate the atrocities that everyone in this body knows very well and still ignores? At a certain point in every Palestinian's life, we realize that the Nakba is far from over. It continues every time the Israeli occupation revokes Jerusalem residencies. It blares in street signs stripped of Arabic. It punctures us in constant campaigns of dehumanization. If you're not thrown out of your home, it's demolished. If you're not imprisoned, you're shot in the street. If you're not shot in the street, there's a drone in your sky in the Gaza Strip. If it's not a bomb, it's exile. I am tired of reporting on the same brutality every day, of thinking of new ways to describe the obvious, the situation in my neighborhood, Sheikh Jarrah, is not hard to understand. It is a perfect microcosm of settler colonialism. The reality that Palestinians across 70 years of Zionist rule have experienced. This vocabulary is not theoretical. It is evident in the attempts to throw us out of our homes so that settlers can occupy them with the backing of the regime whose forces and policies provide violent support for the transfer of one population to install another. I do not care whom this terminology offends. Colonial is the correct way of referring to a state whose forces collude in the violence of settlers, whose government works with settler organizations, 
whose judicial system uses expansionist laws to claim our homes, whose, whose nation-state law enshrines Jewish settlements as a national value to encourage and promote. The appetite for Palestinian lands without Palestinians has not abated for even seven decades. I know this because I live it. I have no faith in the Israeli judicial system. It is part of the settler colonial state built by settlers for settlers. Nor do I expect any of the international governments who have been deeply complicit in the Israeli colonial enterprise to intervene on our behalf. But I do have faith in people around the world, in your citizens, who protest and pressure governments to end what is essentially unconditional support for Israeli policies of ethnic cleansing. Impunity and war crimes will not be stopped by statements of condemnation and raised eyebrows. It will not be stopped by tweets of concerns. We have repeatedly articulated what kind of transformative political measures must be taken. Boycotts and state-level sanction. The problem, again, is not ignorance. It is inaction. The United States has vetoed more than 53 Security Council resolutions critical of Israel. In fact, more than half of the vetoes that the U.S. casted were in favor of Israel. How long must we offer the Israeli occupation impunity? Negotiations are not going to bring about peace. Ending impunity, well. You know, when we reflect on history's most horrible, most inhumane atrocities today, we think of them with so much moral clarity. So much moral clarity that we tend to forget that when these atrocities were happening, they were perfectly legal. Not only perfectly legal, but at the time that they were happening, they were all once controversial, contested, too complex. People talked with neutral language like we do today. We all think that had it been us there back then, at that point of time, we would have been at the right side of history. And we have that opportunity today to be on the right side of history. I am asking all of you to be brave. The question of Palestine cannot be resolved without a freed Palestine. I know that the occupation will end. Like all injustices, it will end. It must. All empires fall. The Palestinian cause will erupt victorious. I know this. I know that people will look back at the reality we live through today with so much moral clarity. One day there will be museums honoring us, memorials in our remembrance, and statues built in our names. People will stand atop our lands and acknowledge the suffering that happened in them. I just hope that such recognition, such recourse, such reparations happen while the Palestinian people are still here. We deserve justice and liberation within our lifetime. We deserve our land back. Thank you very much. Join the National Day of Action on May 13th to mark 75 years since the Nakba, also known as the Catastrophe, when 80% of the Palestinian people were ethnically cleansed from their homeland and over 530 Palestinian villages destroyed to create the State of Israel. Today, Palestinians on a daily basis are still resisting the loss of their homeland and human rights, insisting on their right of return and sharing their truth 
Join them in their fight for justice and a free Palestine at 1pm Saturday, May 13th at the State Library. That's 1pm Saturday, 13th of May. Free Palestine Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. 25 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents. That feature story that you heard was Mohammed Al-Kurt. He is a writer and poet, a Palestinian writer and poet, and he was addressing a United Nations event back in 2021 following the May strikes of Gaza back then. And of course, the situation hasn't changed all that much, though the struggle is increasing and is gaining more support. Don't forget to turn up to the Al-Nakba 75-year action here in Melbourne, and I just played you that uh, interview. But that does bring us to the end of another Asia-Pacific Currents for another Saturday morning. We'll be back next Saturday with more news and current affairs from the Asia-Pacific region. Thanks for tuning in. Coming up next is Palestine Remembered. I'm going to play some community announcements and then we'll bring you Palestine Remembered.